This episode contains the threat of injuries and bodily harm, bugs, claustrophobia, the threat of drowning and suffocation, discussion of drugs, alcohol and poison, and the ensnaring realities of family life at the most forsaken corners of the world. Hi, I'm Brad. I'll be playing Bayushi Minoru of the Bayushi Death Dealer School. My name is Charlie, and I'll be playing our illusionist, Soshi Yuzume. I'm Evan Strait, and I'll be playing Sakai no Doji Ikkyo, a member of the Doji Bureaucrat School. My name is Sam, and I'll be playing Asahina Hajime, a member of the Kakita Duelist School. I'm Ludo, and I'll be playing the Emerald Lands, as well as all its wonders and horrors. So we open the next day back in Osaka and we close in in the courtyard between the courthouse and the magistrate station as pretty early in the morning around a circle of salt there are two figures and we close in on them as they prepare themselves for a match. Who do we see? Uh, well, we see Asahina Hajime uh, standing perhaps the most comfortable and confident we've ever seen him because this is his element. He looks relatively relaxed and is very, very faintly smirking at the other figure across the circle. Staring across the circle at him is Beyushi Minoru. Um, from a distance, you, he looks calm and focused, but to Hajime especially and to others who are familiar with it, they can see there's the occasional twitch to his hand that show that Minoru's a little nervous about this duel in particular. Where are Yuzume and Eikum? Uh Yuzume is off to the side watching. She's pretty tired this early in the morning, but uh, she wanted to get up to watch this duel in particular because... I think it's probably been a while since they got like regular practice in, and she wants to see. Aiko is leisurely seated beside her, fanning himself lightly, enjoying taking in both of the duelists standing ready and opposed from each other, and occasionally exchanges a comment with Izume to cover up the fact that neither of them know a whole lot about what's about to happen. Who else is observing the duel from the courtyard? I think Sepun Ishima would be there because she's been watching Minoru a lot lately. I think that, what is her name? Miramoto Sane might be there as well. Just curious to see how both of them duel. Yeah, Ishima is in front of her office looking as the proceedings go. And Sanai is there meditating near one of the stone formations of the courtyard, eyes half-closed, as she's just hanging around. It's a poor coincidence that she's here. So, what is your objective of the duel? Probably to first strike. Um, It seems to be more just to make sure that they're not getting rusty. Just keep everything in working order. We haven't had a lot of opportunities to duel in Hirosaka, so... Which equipment do you have on you for this duel? 
what weapons and armor are you allowing yourselves to use? We're probably unarmored. Um, probably using Boken. I would think so. As both of the duelists settle into their stances, Aiko, still lightly fanning himself, says, Yuzume-san, I think that Minoru's opening is quite interesting, indicative of the Honors Lesson Dojo that he is famed for. I am curious to see him take a lighter stance. What do you take of the situation? I don't know what the hell is going on, darling. I'm just here for the fight. Obviously, Bayushi-sama is going to win, though. Of course, I would expect it with his training and the reputation. After all, did not Master Soru stand in a draw against Kakita Keizen-san? This would show that Honor's Lesson Dojo is at least equivalent to the Kakita Dueling Academy. One could argue far superior. Care to make it interesting? I believe that, much like Bayushi Minoru-san's stance, it would be best to wait and see for at least a moment before agreeing to that. Uh, so the question is, how are you showing each other your stance as we begin to stare down? Minoru's, he's on the balls of his feet, so it looks like he could move in any direction. It's designed to keep the opponent guessing as to exactly what they're going to do next. Up till now, Hajime has sort of been sort of relaxed and smirking. We see his face almost just sort of clear of expression completely as he just like dead eyes straight at Minoru. He becomes sort of like he he's not standing in any specific way that really indicates anything. He just sort of becomes a little bit hard to sort of hard to read. I'm going to risk it on the biscuit. I'm going to attack. I'm going to strike with my boken. I faint left and go to strike right. It is a close call. So Minoru almost gets past Hajime's block because he draws so fast. Hajime dodges the last second, and Minoru whaps his ombre ponytail hard, but hitting the ponytail doesn't count. Yuzume-san, I do believe that was a miss, although perhaps you could correct me on that. My dear, I love correcting you when you're wrong. It's a shame I don't have the opportunity to do so right now. As Minoru has demonstrated, the Honors Lesson Dojo seems to place a great amount of importance on a precise strike. Unfortunate, Minoru-san missed that precise strike. You were saying something about making this interesting. Spoken with all of the confidence of someone who's sure he can't possibly lose. Yes, I would like to make things interesting. I was eyeing some of the pearls on your fan the other day, and the Watakami, they like things like that. How about if Minoru wins, I get two of them. These pearls have been safeguarded and kept by my family for generations. They were designed specifically to be attuned with the water kami. I accept your bargain. I propose in turn that if Hejame-san emerges the victory, you will provide me with some information about that Shishoro you spoke to the other day. It seemed you had an interesting conversation. By all means. Aiko resumes, lightly fanning himself. I'm going to spin and respond to Minoru's strike and try and strike him. Yeah, but yeah, you got a good smack. Describe what happens. So Minoru came in and basically just barely missed and hit my ponytail, which upset me. Hajime just spins and brings the boken like upward and just 
I, it's it's the ear. He pops him just right across like the side of the head. So the duel is over, and Sunai jumps from her rock, uh, eyes sharpen, and approaches. So it takes a lot of arguing, and uh, Ichimi has to come down to, and the two of them seem, after talking a bit, decide that this was a narrow victory, but a victory nonetheless. Very teen margin. Saying, Minoru-san, your speed has improved significantly. I am very impressed. You are complimenting my speed, Hajime-san, when that is the fastest I have ever faced. Honestly, it's just refreshing to have a worthy opponent that stays in such close proximity. And then Hajime looks over at the two courtiers and leans in just like not enough that I think anyone would see, but just close enough and says, do you think they took bets again? Hajime-san, I believe we both know the answer to that question. So uncivilized. Aiko procures from a small pouch a string of about four pearls and reaches out to Yuzume and says, Yuzume-san, it was a close-fought victory between the two of them, and I would not want to deny you your prize over a technicality. Here, take this as a gift, freely given. She's just got gritted teeth and looks at him and just says, I couldn't possibly, Doji-san, you won the bet after all. Aiko has the widest shit-eating grin, and he says, I look forward to discussing your activities with your Shishiro compatriot. I'm sure it'll be beneficial for the both of us. If you must know, Doji-san, Shoshiro-san and I discussed the sale of the sake works. There's paperwork to back it up if you need to take a look at it, but I assure you it is perfect. Oh, I already made sure they were filed properly. Don't worry about that. Of course. And uh, afterwards, we just had a, a simple chat. Uh, I'm sure, as you remember, my father is from the Shosuro. And uh, it turns out that we have a uh, cousin in common, Shosuro Anago. And uh, we just chatted about our common connection for a short time. You were not convinced for a second, Echo. You're, in fact, you even suspect at all if they are cousins and it's, or if it's just a name of a scorpion that is never around these lands so that she believes nobody is going to double check. But yeah, not for a second you believe that. She is just uh, giving, feeding you information that hoping that you're going to follow the that trail of breadcrumbs instead of pressuring her about what she does not want to talk about. Oh, I'm so glad you had someone from your family to speak to about current and emotional situations in your personal life. It's absolutely a relief not to have to deal with the rigors of living up to serving your clan. Yes, it's uh, wonderful to have uh, such a supportive family with no real arduous expectations, shall we say. Just something nice and casual and not having to worry about all of the things that other people talk about us for. Aiko's smile stays the same from like the large shit-eating grin, but his eyes go from like sparkly to dead icy cold at her comment. I think because of what she learned about you, she knows that she can 
use your love for courtesy to push your buttons. She knows you caught her lie. You know that she lied. And basically, she can delay having to give you what was the deal. Basically, daring you to match her dishonorable behavior and press her and force her to assess that. Uh, she's just going to like lean forward a little bit and say, I mean, the family's always been terribly supportive and close. It's not something that you would be able to see if you were to say, check someone's family tree. But uh, I'm hoping that just letting you know is enough, my dear. Iko, with all his 5'11 height and icy, pale exterior, leans in slightly to Yuzume and says, Yuzume-san, I'm glad to see that you uphold your bargains with the reputation of your family. Good day. And leaves. So, it seems uh, Aiko did not take the bait. As Aiko retreats, there is some stirring of emotion within you. And it gets on the way of justifying what you just did. What is going through Yuzume's head? She's honestly just really annoyed that she let herself get riled up. Um, like, she finds it's way too easy to just, like want to put him in his place she just really wants to just have a go at him um, but he is like a he's a paragon of courtesy he's very very good with words and she can never reach that level that he's at and it's just it's just really annoying So, you are once again on the road, on your way to meet another of your neighbors. This one is a crane family. Uh, they are a vassal house of the Daidoji, the Iramori family. And they are known for overseeing the border between the crane and the scorpion tending to the Uwe marshlands as well as the Akabe forest. There are multiple ways that you can approach their lands. You can go north, find passage on a ferry or a bridge that has been repaired and enter in the direction of the scorpion lands where you first came into Irosake, that fateful uh, winter day, or you can get a boat and try to sail directly into Deadlands, or you can go towards the castle of the Hare and go through the lands of the allies of the Ramori family and find your way through there. So, which of the three paths are you taking? I think sailing might be better. We've traveled pretty far on foot through Hirosaka, but going through going along the river might show us things we haven't seen yet. You know, marshes and stuff that you wouldn't notice necessarily on the road. But I am definitely willing to hear suggestions. I like sailing. Sailing sounds nice to me. Aiko doesn't have any preference and we'll follow wherever Minoru heads. Let's get on a boat. Um, I do. Hiring a ferry 
Or are you captaining a small boat? I think we'll hire a ferry then. Right. So you go to one of the many taverns that have been sprouting over the city. Uh, this one in particular, you know that there are fairy men that hang around it. It is called the Thankful Riches. And you enter this tavern that is, and you are immediately struck by the smell of goat milk and grease of very fat filling food. And uh, you are trying to get a ferryman that hopefully does not sell you off for pirates or threatens to, I don't know, hold your hostage or threaten to draw you if you don't live with your belongings. So who's taking the lead? Hajime will help by looking very intimidating while Yuzume tries to bargain for a, a boat. Aiko will help with short interjections, uh, having overseen a couple trade deals before, but not leading them himself. Minoru will help by being mean looking. Uh, what do you say? Because you are a tavern, a place that by definition, it's very resonate is to provide alcohol. Is that getting to you? I guess it's only fair that she might be distracted by having to tell herself to, you know, not order a drink. Going into this tavern of the thankful riches is so stressful to Yuzume. She's barely holding it together. She is stressed because she's actually not super fond of the idea of traveling by boat when it's a ferryman that they don't know. She's not scared of the water in like a hydrophobia sense, but she is aware that she's not very much of a swimmer. That it's it's less the the bargaining that's stressing her out and more what they're bargaining for and hoping that it goes well. It is quite intense because for some reason you don't seem to be pleased with any of them. Uh, and there are a lot of, uh, of peasants, you figured, that are from out of town that keep heckling the ferryman as you are talking with them. But you finally... Finally, you find an old man that uh, not only is not afraid to go into the U.M. marshes, which is something that the, really the others really don't want to do. He does not seem to be laying a trap, nor he seems to have figured out that you are uh, Emerald Magistrates and that he can use this to his advantage. So you are pretty confident even as a mess of a negotiation as it was, that uh, you can at least test this man to get you there. And the only thing is, the man is not willing to stay and wait for you. That is the only thing you don't manage to convince him to do. Yuzume is just very visibly, it's just like she can't even. Um, and she's just going to look over her shoulder to the bushi and be like, please, someone... Just give them that look of, please, someone else handle this. Why don't you think we'll be able to make it back through the marsh? Have you ever been in the web of marshes before, Samurai Sam? No. It's very easy for a man to get lost, especially when they don't know it. And it's especially hard for one who comes back of the I dodge you don't want one to come back. And he takes a big pause and breathes in. Not many scorpions come out of those marshes. 
I think we'll be okay. And we'll make it back to your boat. But if you prefer not to wait, that's fine. Jeez. I'm going to wait for a day, not on the marsh propers, but on the road going into the hairlands. I can stay there for a while, wait, and it will probably be easier for you to make your way there. That sounds agreeable. What What do you think, Hajime? Hajime, I think, leans down and looks at this old man and says, could you be persuaded to wait for longer? Just sort of stone-faced. Wait as long as you pay me, Samurai Sama. All right. Sounds like a deal. When do you want to leave? Tomorrow morning would be perfect. We have some last-minute preparations to do. It will be. And we get to you arriving on the UN marshes. It is really wet. It's full of overgrown banks and it seems after the deluge it only got even more wild. As the nature here, it has only grew more invigorated. You can see massive trees rising over the water and bushes that tower over any of you. There always seems to be shadows covering most of the place, even during the day, and it is extremely loud. There seems to be all types of insects and bugs. And the old man is very careful diving you. Uh, he keeps stopping and probing around, trying to see that uh, the channels, some natural, some clearly climate irrigation channels, if they are still navigable, trying to get you as close as possible from the lands of the Daidoji without having to step on the marshlands. Yuzume, what is the most annoying thing of going through the warming day through this swamp where everything is dank and moist and there's all these strange smells and sounds. Are there mosquitoes? What is the thing that you find more annoying about these mosquitoes? Is it the noise that they make as they beat their wings at high speeds? Is it how they always seem to favor you as its target? Yeah, Yuzume is a mosquito magnet. Um, they they just kind of keep uh, going for her. And she spent a lot of this journey just like smacking her arms. And, you know, she's almost hit her own face so hard that she hurt herself at one point. Um, and it's just not been fun. The old man at some point covers himself on mud to dissuade the mosquitoes, but that's some, probably something that you don't want to do. And as you keep traveling more and more slowly, as the boat seems to get stuck every 100 paces or so, Minoru, what ominous sign of hostility hangs over the marshlands that claim most of the eastern bank of the River of Gold? What do you see that really makes you feel unwanted here? Makes you feel like an invader? Um, In the Bayushi Death Dealer School, they teach you exactly where ambushes are likely to hide. It's, you know, to know the ambushes, to know where you're strongest, but also to know where your enemy's strongest. All of the best places for enemies to hide are designed to prevent people coming up the bank of the river. 
from where we can see into the marsh is just ambush point after ambush point, and it makes Minoru upset because he knows that we've got to walk through that, and they have every advantage. You finally arrive at a moment in which the old man cannot move his boat ahead without getting it stuck in the mud, and he jumps and curses uh, before taking off his hat and starting cleaning himself. Well, Samurai-sama, this is it. Cannot take you closer to the doji lands. You have to make the rest on feet. I'm going to stay here for a couple of hours, and as soon as light starts going out, I'm going to make my way to the Uzagi border, where I'll wait for you there. Well, thank you for carrying us this far. Um, what is your name? My name is Amos. Thank you. I'll make sure everyone else gets off of the ferry okay, and then I guess we're into the swamp. Iko purposely packed travel clothes for this and has a bundle of his nicer outfits at refineries hoisted up on his back and offers a handout to Yuzume saying, Yuzume-san, I am afraid that our interactions the other day might have put us at an uncomfortable situation. I would like to make amends. I'm certain you would, Doji-san. She's just going to do what she did when we were in Hirosaka and get out of the boat herself. Yeah, I think Kajime has tried to, as much as possible, gird himself for possibly having to deal with mud. But there's only so much you can do, you know? You are trying to navigate through a marshland that is not only being recently flooded, uh, it is definitely not covered with Daidoji death traps. So most of you seem to be making a good point. But the thing is, for good and for worse, these traps, uh, they are are designed for average weight and average fleshy part. So the good thing of the tools that uh, Yuzume uses is that they don't have the same tensile force, elasticity, and durability as meat, which comes rushing through Yuzumi's head as a pit opens underneath her, and she manages to hold herself up as her leg is caught under what seems to be a maw of earth, dirt, poison, and very, very stabby metal stakes. And somehow your leg is just stuck here and your flesh was not broken, but you are pinned, being pulled down by this sunken, cruel trap. Can Hajime help? He's very big. Yeah, the question is how you do that without damaging either the the leg or Yuzume. That is the danger. She's pinned there. Time is running out. What you gonna do? Yeah, she's she's kind of um I guess I guess she'd be kind of prone propping herself up. She's sort of looking around like this is this is genuinely terrifying. Like her, her prosthetic is her leg. Like it's it's very much part of her. And even if she can't like feel the pain, like she knows what this means. 
and she's just like, gentlemen, please, some assistance. Yuzumi-san, it's going to damage your leg. We can get it fixed. Is, is this okay? Just, just make sure I don't fall in, and I will, I will take it off, and then we can get it back. Uh, yeah, Hajime will. Yeah, uh, Minoru will also run over to help in any way he sees that he can. Right. Well, that is the problem, right? How are you going to help? These sticks are sharp, covered in poison and dirty marshland water. And the hole is kind of extending as you approach around it. And you risk getting yourselves or falling underneath it as you go. So what is the approach here? Would it be possible to, like, use a sheathed sword to kind of, like, try to push the sticks, like, apart enough for her to get free so that Minoru can pull her out without losing my sword? Aiko holds the back of Hajime. If we can pry some of it up and pull, I do have the extra sword. I don't care about sacrifice. There are two things. Indeed, that's a valid strategy to put some weight on other side of the pit so that Gravity does most of the work, and it starts collapsing away from Yuzume, so you can actually pull her out. Problem is, a sword is probably not enough weight. And even worse, a sword is not made to be durable, to withstand force. So it will probably break before you have time, even if you manage to jam it just right. If you realize you can risk with the sword, or you can find something heavier fast. If only we had some heavy counterweight. Oh, we have some heavy thing. Yeah, Iko I- 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 I can provide his stuff. You can feel the strength that it takes to keep afloat, and, you're, and uh, the spikes get closer and closer to you. And Iko, you... You are holding your baggage. You can throw it under the pit. That will be the easiest route. But you also figured out that the Daidoji have other traps, uh, and some of them are quite heavy. So if you could get another trap to lie here, that could also be a good way to handle it. So you're telling me that if I throw my fine clothing in the packages into the trap, it helps use me out? Yes. Aiko does it immediately, without thinking about it. Okay, now, Izume, you can feel the spikes retract in time, but the ground is giving away under you, and you can feel water slipping through your fingers as your grasp lessens. So, Hajime and Minoru rush to hold you, and you realize, with some horror, that as they go to help you, their weight actually makes you sink faster. And instead of helping you, they are actually accelerating how you quick you are drowning. And as time seems to slow down and you look at some bush where you see a silhouette and you realize that whoever set these traps has been observing you and you glare at that direction, and as your face is disappearing under the mud, you can hear footsteps as you see someone climbing over the trees 
and dropping you a rope, which you quickly grab to pull yourself and the other two. Uh, is her is her leg um, coming off the spike at all, or is she still attacked? Yes, everything. She is still whole. She is just very, very muddy. <laughs> That's fine. Um, she's just really relieved to have this rope, and she's just going to cling onto the rope and onto everyone else just for dear life. She is in terror mode right now. The same instant, the figure that is on top of the four of you and seems to be a small figure and it's covered head to toe in mud and paint, they start running atop the trees. Do you give them chase? Aiko cannot run, but he can definitely take care and make sure Yuzumi's okay. Is this kid within sword throwing range? I, I mean, depending on how it goes, what I would be trying to do here is duplicate what I did with the fishing boat thing uh, in Hirosaka, where I essentially like pinned a piece of clothing blindly on a swamp filled with traps. This sounds like it's going to go great. Mm -hmm. I'll also give chase. Both give chase to the to the child, but well, the child is fast and has the higher ground, which as we know is the best ground. So it becomes really hard for uh, Hajime to get in a position to actually throw the sword and just not have it get lost and or ensnared in the vegetation. Uh, and Minoru is going to taking the slow road, trying to intercept the shell, but uh, it seems like he never gets an opportunity to get the jump on on the kid. What he does find is a stash that someone left. Uh, Minoru knows a smuggler's stash when he sees one. And he looks inside and he sees a pretty neatly tied lunchbox. And there is a, a letter smelling of lilac and ginger. And... What seems to be some crab cakes that are still warm. Well, it's so unfortunate that this letter was open when I found this cache. I'm going to open the letter and read it. And the letter is on a neatly tidy calligraphy of someone that uh, clearly writes a lot. And it is pretty short. You should come back. Your father has been making questions. I think he might be changing his mind. Um, when we were in Crablands, um, the grandmother who dunked all over me gave me a dessert for Peshai. I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm going to take what's in the smuggler's thing. He nearly drowned one of us. He can at least provide lunch. I'm going to and leave that instead. Make kind of a mental note of where this place is and trek back to where everyone else is. So how are the other three coping with what just happened? Iko is has kind of tossed the other bags he was holding down to the side and has gotten down and quietly says, Yuzume-san, are, are you hurt? Is there anything that is damaged? 
your prosthetics, it is fine. It is working. You should probably do maintenance on it soon because there's way too much mud and water around. And if you don't, you're probably going to damage it. So you probably want to, when you stop to rest at some point out of um, somewhere dry, you probably want to keep that checked. Uh, now, as we know, you don't have more than a few scratches, but uh, not all poison works the same way. He's really, really panicked. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, can't. Here, let me investigate. And he begins looking over the prosthetic, not touching it at first. Hajime is not saying anything. He's just like quietly. This is perhaps the angriest that any of you have probably seen him at this point. Um, he's just like, just completely stone silent. Looks just, I mean, completely just blank faced, just quietly seething. So, uh, you inspect her and whatever you realize that you feared poison, but there is actually no poison on it. It was only rotten matter that has been spread over it to give that impression. And Yozumi is actually fine. Probably the biggest danger is from the water, which thankfully she did not drink or swallow any of it. Aiko, after looking over the leg a little bit, says, Yozumi-san, I believe I am no engineer of these devices, but it looks as if the, uh, the as if your your prosthetic is unharmed and there does not seem to be any ill effect or toxins uh, that should pr- propose further risks. And she just sighs, just an absolute massive sigh of relief and kind of cocoons on herself a little bit. Like she draws her legs up close to herself and just hugs them and doesn't like she she rests her forehead on her knees and just doesn't look up. She's just she can't. Perhaps uh Yuzume-san, you should take a, a brief moment to calm your nerves. Be fine. Just need a moment. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Aiko stands up after seeing Yuzume cocoon herself and starts to try to regain a bit of his emotional control and says, Hajime-san, Minoru-san, perhaps it is best we give the lady some space for a moment. Hajime just nods um, and turns to Minoru and says, did you find them? No, it would have been a complete waste of a trip. But Minoru kind of holds up the stolen packed lunch and a letter. Aiko-san, would you please look at this for me? Of course, Minoru-san, and Aiko will take it. And look over the the paper, allowing himself a brief moment of joy and analyzing the different brush strokes, uh, the different ways that the characters are written out, and see if he can get any information out of, out of who would have written this letter. Hajime takes one of the cakes and uh, breaks it in half and hand, or walks over and hands half to Yuzume. She'll just kind of take it without really looking up and just shove it kind of under her mask and just try to eat it uh as he's kind of moving his arm away she'll just grab it and like kind of drag him to sit down next to her so they can eat crab cakes together but she still won't kind of look at anyone she's just a bit too scared i mean hajime is absolutely furious this stupid kid almost got our friend killed um but i think that that 
softens it up a little bit. He kind of just smiles just a little and then sits down next to Yuzu and just uh, eats half of this this cake slowly and more and more thoughtfully than usual. I, I should add. Um, Minoru's going to join them sitting down next to him and just quietly eating. As the rest of the group enjoy some swamp crab cakes, you, you echo, you delve deep into the letter. You examine the paper, you examine the composition, and you figure out that this is a rushed letter even despite the elegance, because the spacing is not as consistent as the author probably would want. And it is to be some, something from vassal or advisor to someone of higher status. And this seems to be from someone that has been in the court of Doji Otoro because you recognize the paper as a batch that has been used on her missives to you recently. So you figure this seems to be probably from the same batch, from the same forest, which probably someone that has been there recently used it. And you notice, by the way, that certain lines are made that this individual has some callus in their hand that betray someone that spends a lot of time with an instrument. And it is modifies the way that they handle the brush. And on certain characters, it seems to betray this avoidance. You also figured out that uh, this brusque, servile writing is something that actually betrays a level of care uh, while trying to be distant. And that recalls a bit of the same feelings that you felt just minutes ago of someone that is supposed to be a neutral arbiter that just cannot hide how much they actually care. Okay, so as Aiko reads over this, Aiko walks over and, and offers the letter and says, Yuzume-san, would you double-check this letter? I believe that I have performed an analysis, but as always, I would value your input. She'll just she'll look up and just take it gently and think, of course, you, you could always have missed something. She just takes a deep breath and the the smell kind of snaps her out of it a little bit and calms her down. Aiko then promptly reports everything he got off the letter to uh, Minoru. I think Aiko would give like a little subtle nod to Minoru to ask to speak with him one-on-one. Minoru will stand up, hand the rest of the food to Hajime, walk over with him. Minoru-san, I am aware we both have duties and loyalties to our clans in addition to our responsibilities as members of the Emerald Order. You are aware of this as much as I, yes? Of course. If I know something that could implicate my clan, but would benefit your knowledge as an Emerald Magistrate, it would be my duty to disclose it. It would? I would ask you keep this in mind in your report. The heart of the Scorpion is discretion, Aiko-san. 
I have known you for some years, Minoru-san, and it is because of the trust and the character I have seen in you. I will now afford you this. The paper that this letter was written on is the same paper that I have received letters from the court of Doji Hotaru Dono. I do not know how this paper has arrived here. We are in Daidoji lands, and they are proud of their defense. But I do afford you this knowledge out of respect for our years of understanding and your tenuous position as Emerald Magistrate. Venoru raises an eyebrow at the mention of Hotaru. Well, on one distinct hand, we know that this wasn't his lunch then. Unless there is some reason for high-level crane court members to care about crab children. So we have that to go forward. On the other hand, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And on the third hand, allow me to um, try something. I will, of course, defer to your wisdom, Minoru-san, but I do request... No, I will defer to your wisdom, Minoru-san. Excellent. Also, if asked, you stole the lunch. I find it unlikely that I went digging through the dirt to find lunch, Minoru-san. One of us has a reputation to uphold. You would argue with the report of a superior? And at that, Minoru's going to yell out, Peshai, your grandmother sent you something, and then give a rough description of where the smuggler's box was, then go back to sitting with Yuzume until lunch is done, and then we'll get moving again. Brad can be found on Discord at BZAJ1648 and at Twitter at BZAJDABarbarian. Charlie can be found on Discord as Reeselian and on Twitter at BowserJ, where you can find links to her L5R blog. Evan can be found on Facebook as Evan Strite or Discord as PushyMushy1871. And I'm a part of another actual play for L5R called Secondhand Strife. You can check us out anywhere podcasts are distributed. Sam can be found on Discord and Reddit as Live From My Basement and on Instagram as at SJSidLogic. Lulu can be found at Deletiel on Twitter and their design work can be found at Populesque Ludum Syndicate on DriveThruRPG and Itchu. This is a Courts Game podcast. You can find more about them at Court Games Pod on Twitter or at their site, courtgamespod.com. Legends of the Five Ring is the intellectual property currently owned by Fantasy Flight Games. Radio, your gamers roll.